Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey in North Texas. I'm joined by Kelsey Zeiser in North Carolina. Hey, y'all. How's it going? <laughs> Howdy. <laughs> you, are you trying to be more Texan or more Car- Carolinian? <laughs> uh, maybe a, hy- a hybrid of yeah. both. Kind of in the, yeah, I was about to say, you kind of split the difference there. Here's um, a nondescript Southern accent. <laughs> this is what cartoons sound like, everybody. Yeehaw. Um, all right. Uh, so we're on the Light Reading Podcast. On the hot seat today is Ray LaMaitre in London. Hello, Ray. Hello from Britain. <laughs> Are you doing a British accent now? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Okay. Very good. Oh, this intro is going to be really tough to get through. Um, okay. Well, you're listening to episode 26, and we're talking about edge computing. In a nutshell, edge computing seems to be the key to unlocking a lot of the promises of the next generation of networks, telecom networks, and all kinds of networks. Um, So if we think that the boundaries are going to blur between the physical and the digital world, um, digital content has to be presented, realized, rendered, and everything at the exact same speed at the physical world, which is a a monumental challenge, um, not just in terms of speed and latency, but also in terms of scale um, and consumer games and mapping applications and a lot of uh, up and coming edge applications that we've heard about. The number of participants using a service or an app could double or triple or more very quickly. So edge computing needs to happen. It it needs to happen very soon. Uh, but like all of these things, it won't really happen overnight. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, I guess the first question to start out with is why is edge computing going to be such a critical part of the telco business as it relates to 5G? You know, very often the phrase crops up, you know, uh, edge computing doesn't need 5G, but 5G needs edge computing. And I, I guess that's true. But, you know, there's not a lot of edge computing around at the moment. And, and this kind of the, the, the talk and focus and investment in edge computing has only really taken, taken on, started happening in the past couple of years as the operators have started building up to 5G. So it's very closely linked. There's, there, there have been developments for years, but we're now getting to we're getting to the start, you know, the, the crunch point for, for edge computing. And it's key to, it's not key to like launching an initial 5G service, but the full broad promise of 5G with low latency services, um, you know, obviously I, th- I think, you know, the, the ideas of things like remote surgery, that those kind of ideas are now being dispelled. Yeah. Um, and it was great actually last week at 5G World in London, an executive from Deutsche Telekom um, um, stood up and said, you know, uh, I don't buy this remote surgery. It's not just a fanciful idea. But he went on to talk about all the you know, the things that Deutsche Telekom believes are going to be enabled uh, by, by edge computing from, you know, uh, an industrial IoT perspective to the delivery of um, a 4K and an 8K uh, video um, services to uh, real-time mm. cloud-based gaming. These are the kind of things that edge computing uh, will enable with a quality of service that is going to be required. Um, 
But the reality of the situation is that like many other aspects of, uh, you know, the, the bigger 5G picture, these are going to take a very long time to actually come into commercial networks and to enable commercial networks. And, um, you know, we've got in, in light readings, 5G big picture, uh, the, the 20, 20 piece mm-hmm. puzzle, edge computing is in there. It's a vital component. And there's a lot of services and a lot of 5G capabilities that will depend on some kind of edge compute capability, edge compute and storage capability being, you know, in in place and, and part of a production network. Did we place uh, edge computing that puzzle piece right next to it's really close, good it's coffee? Close to great coffee. Are those so ad- the? Adjacent. Uh, they're, they're, okay. they're not next to anything in particular in that in that particular graphic. Uh, obviously, I would like great coffee to be at the center of no. that uh, of that picture because everything revolves <laughs> around that. Obviously, uh, yeah, yeah. And you do yeah. need them both for sure. Yes. Um, uh, the the thing with all of this is that yeah, the the puzzle piece analogy. It's still man. It still works because this. Like you said, not every single application, especially yeah. not the early stuff, just enhanced broadband on five G is not really not really going to be the the money spinner. Um, but yeah, this real time gaming, especially this stuff where you can start to use um, augmented reality and virtual reality in in the way that we've always been sort of um, well, trained. Not even by sci-fi, sci-fi movies, movies even the you demos can, you um, see at events, and everybody goes, "Wow, that's mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic." Yeah, right. Now try and do that in a live network. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're you're struggling, or at least I'm struggling a lot of times to just get map directions, you know, in 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 you know, yeah. in different parts of town and stuff like that. It's it, it's it's like you just can't you just can't imagine a point where this stuff works with so little latency that that could be possible. So it does seem like it's, so it's I think quite it's, far off. It's, it's quite um, far off in terms of, you know, broad general deployment. Uh, but, you know, some of the operators have been working on this for a while. Um, you know, I'm going to pick out, you know, uh, there's definitely been quite a lot of developments in, in South Korea. Uh, and they've obviously, 5G has already launched there and they they are already taking some of these um, sort of next generation services and starting to bring them those to market. So there's clearly been a, a, a lot of intense R&D there. In Europe, uh, Deutsche Telekom has definitely, you know, wants this to be a big thing and is trying to make this a, a big thing. It's even, you know, has funded a spin-off that's focused on on edge computing uh capabilities so it's it's very mm-hmm. serious and it and it it's at at events talking about the importance of edge computing telefonica has been working on this for years and telefonica is a real great case in point because you know amongst the many other things that you need to 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 make all of this work um having the high-speed fixed fiber access network that's going to connect to your edge compute facility is a pretty important thing. That's why we have the AnyHall transport uh, piece of the 5G puzzle. And and Telefonica is a great case in point here because in Spain, yeah. a lot of fiber has been put into the ground in recent years, and they have tremendous fiber 
density now, particularly in the main cities. But, you know, in Spain, they're talking about having fiber to, you know, to almost every business and home within about five or six years. And that, that if they can do that, that'd be a pretty incredible achievement. But um, Telefonica has been looking at and uh, how it can use edge compute and edge storage capabilities out of a real life working production central office in Madrid for at least a couple of years now and has had a dedicated team called On Life looking at this and how to deliver high quality video streaming services out of a central office over over fiber connections um, you know with um, with really good at a really good operating cost level and they've been at it for years and they're really only just getting to the point now where they're even starting to pilot some services and this is something that they announced last week they've been piloting some um, uh, 4k video conferencing uh, working with the, the bank of santander which is a really big uh, banking group uh, uh, one of the spanish banks uh, but, you know, this has taken years for them to get to this point. They've had to try different um, you know, hardware stacks. They, they've gone down the, the cord route, the cent- central office reorganized as a data center. They've been looking at that blueprint for the hardware. They've been trying out different middleware platforms that manage the, the, the compute capabilities. Uh, it's just going to take a long time. And, you know, Telefonica is only on the edge of commercial service and they've had a dedicated team on this for years so i would say we're you know we're definitely looking at the 2022 2023 before i think we start to get widespread edge compute uh, within a telecoms environment edge compute use case out of the telcos and by which point it just it might already be too late <laughs> and <laughs> Ray, with the OnLife program, you also wrote about these OnLife pods, which I yeah. thought sounded interesting. And then also some partnerships that Telefonica um, has made um, with Amazon and with some other groups. Yeah, well, I Can think you talk uh, more about I that? think the so I think you've hit the nail on the head there by referencing Amazon because you know I think it's you know a lot for a lot of years now uh, a lot of people have been talking about you know this needs to the the evolution of the communication space needs to be much more of a collaborative effort because every, it's great to talk that game but then to actually do it is something completely different but i think some of the 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 major players not all of them but i think some of the major players are realizing that they're going to have to forge some pretty strong relationships with companies like aws microsoft azure um, and uh, and Google and other companies that already know how to build out um, data center capabilities, not only centralized data centers, but distributed data centers, small, you know, edge data centers, um, and they know how to run them uh, and, and, and how they work. And I think it's going to be important for the operators to not only, sure, yeah, you want to have control and use some of your your own IT facilities, especially if you've got them housed within uh, your own facilities. But that's not going to be enough. You're going to need partners, and you might be able to go to a wholesaler who's building out these facilities just to rent it out to third parties. But, you know, the, the AWSs of this world, they already know how all, all of this works, and they're moving faster, and they're more focused, 
and they're just mm-hmm. doing it. They don't really care who's going to use it. This is this is the beauty of the 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 Amazon model. They build stuff and then they let anybody and everybody use it as long as they pay for it. So why wouldn't a telco do that? I mean, yeah. just you know, let other people build it and then use other people's facilities. That's part. Yeah, that's that's something I'm I'm thinking is is both a, a definite way out for them and also completely impossible because of the way they're structured um, in, internally, at least at the moment. But we'll see. Um, uh, anyway, great, great uh, example of some things to think about with Telefonica. Um, let's take a quick break and we'll come right back and we'll talk about um, some other uh, uh, examples of edge computing and, may, and then maybe have some predictions about where it goes next. Be right back. And we are back. Welcome back to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil. Kelsey is here. Hello. Ray Lemaitre is here. Hello. And uh, we're talking about edge computing. And uh, before uh, the break, we had talked about uh, example of Telefonica having lots of fiber in the ground in Spain, um, really ha- giving edge computing a try in terms of figuring out what the right use case is, what the right application is for it to really take off. And I think that can, the what Ray was saying is sort of they're, they're, they seem to be going about it the right way. It's just taking quite a long time. Uh, before anything really comes of that, but that's not the only example where stuff's happening. Um, Ray, what's 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 going on at uh, Telstra? What what can Telstra teach us in terms of uh, what their edge computing experience has been? Well, I think you know before the break, we also mentioned the you know the 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 move towards collaborative efforts and and not nobody can do this all by themselves, and mm-hmm. and how the the, the web giants. You know, I've got a uh, what looks like a good position here. But uh, last week, uh, our colleague Ian Morris, reporting from the Five G World event London, uh, reported how Telstra, um, uh, an executive from Telstra, was saying that they'd been uh, approached by the web giants in Australia um, with with an offer to collaborate, but to collaborate on certain terms and, and conditions, um, where Telstra was offered um, uh, exclusive. Uh, deals to access edge compute as long as Telstra then only provided connectivity uh, and of course that's starting to you know put 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 pressure on you know uh, business cases and um, you know restricting the role of of the of the network operator and you know uh, not surprisingly the, the 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 Telstra executive says that they they don't want to see themselves just providing dumb pipes. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, there is a lot of talk about the need for collaboration, and especially in areas uh, like Edge, where different companies and different types of companies have uh, different capabilities and different experiences and different opportunities. But, you know, when it comes to collaboration and forging partnerships, there has to be give and take on both sides. 
And that is normally in the past where we find that things break down. Yes, we want to work together, but both companies want 80% of, you know, of, of the money or they want 80% of control. You know, nobody wants to just share on equal yeah. terms. Everybody always wants to get more out of it than the other people. And that's where things tend to break down. So that is going to be a massive challenge. And this is why people are always talking about, you know, and it's become a cliche now, 5G is not just a technology challenge, it's a cultural challenge. Yeah. And, but, the th- but it's in these kind of areas where it is a massive cultural challenge because people are just going to have to bang some heads together and, and, and make some new kind of deals. Otherwise, things are going are to slide by and business opportunities will be missed. No doubt about I, it. I, um, I wonder about the, the telco business model in the future, because what you're describing could be the, the optimal business model would be one where a company knows that it supplies certain things for you know a, a common resource that it has to use in conjunction with other partners and other companies and would be okay and would have the business model flexibility to both be the connectivity supplier only in some instances, be the computing supplier only in others, be the uh, the landlord renting out the central office uh, that's turned into a data center in others. Yep. I that kind of flexibility doesn't it. Uh, I don't think of telco when I think of flexibility. Yeah. Um, you think they're going to find the business model that works for this, or do you think they're just going to pick one of those paths and go down, you know, and just kind of hammer away at it? Wow. Well, I mean, there's no doubt the tier ones are definitely going to think they're going to be able to, to, to eat their cake, have their cake and eat it and be able to do lots of these different things. Um, and they probably will, you know, with the firepower they have and, and the capital and the existing customer base, if they can maintain it, it's the tier twos and tier threes, that I think face the the biggest challenge in many ways. And I think, you know, for some, just deciding right now, you know, we're gonna we're just gonna build a great connectivity offer. And that's all we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And actually that means we don't need massive marketing departments. We don't need big customer service. And and you know, they can slim down, be really great at offering incredible um, you know, high quality uh, connectivity services and essentially decide that they're going to become wholesalers or yeah. you know, just retailers of of capacity and, and slim down and see if they can build a business and make money out of that because that might be their only option ultimately and not get into, you know, how can we develop our own video services? Do we need RCS to offer messaging? You know, all this kind of stuff. It, it, it's can be really yeah. really complex and if you haven't got the resources you're going to be pretty screwed leave that to the telcos that are trying to get every stadium named after them <laughs> and that sort of thing is there god is there a worst way to do marketing it's just so crazy so what do you guys think is um coming up in the near future for edge computing i know for example um at&t announced a partnership with microsoft um I always stumble is Azure or Azure. I know there's different pronunciations, but 
um, on a proof. Depends how much wine. You I know, had. right? Yeah, but, I haven't but, even <laughs> been drinking the wine. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Mark, uh, oh, I know, yeah. I know, someone's gonna come after me for that. So, <laughs> but um, so <laughs> they were partnering on a proof of concept for AT and T's new uh, network edge compute capabilities. Um, so, what are some other new things that you think will come down the pipe um, in terms of use cases, partnerships. Uh, we've talked a bit about different business models as well. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, well, I think the, the first thing that telcos will try to do like they've done in the cloud um, is instead of trying to compete directly um, with cloud providers that, in, in certain instances, they'll just identify verticals that they're going to, uh, and they've done this in IoT as well, just identify verticals that they feel like they they have a fighting chance in terms of um, serving and really apply the resources to going after those verticals. So I could, I can see things like, um, you know, some, some edge computing use cases for uh, healthcare and, and, you know, manufacturing factory floors, that type of thing, um, on the business side. So I, I think they're going to double down on, on those vertical approaches. It seems like that's what the larger telcos are, are thinking mm-hmm. in the U S. Um, it, but in the meantime, like you said, I think we're going to see more and more partnerships being announced now to the degree that they take them seriously and really do, you know, do something constructive with them is, is something else to keep an eye on. But, I do think they're going to need to be perceived as, you know, working with companies that have a completely different set of capabilities. Yeah, no, I think that the, I think that the 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 focus on finding the key use cases is applicable across everything to do with five G. Um, you know, the biggest demand right now and the biggest pressure, I think, is is not a technology one that will come in time you know that it is a bit slow looks like a bit it's a things are a bit slow moving on something like edge computing but this is really pretty tough stuff to 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 figure out and requires you know a distributed cloud know-how which is not you know something that's in the 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 telco uh, wheelhouse but ultimately even if you had the the technical capabilities right now what would you do with it? Mm-hmm. And that is the that is the really big question, and that is the question that currently nobody has the answer to. Aerial taxis. What do you yeah. do with it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still don't know how I feel about flying taxis. Um, yeah. ta- taxis on the ground are scary enough. Like, do we really need them in the air? I know. Is that really the best use yeah. case? Flying taxis are called planes, aren't they? <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's there's trying to get these uh, little. No, uh, I uh, I know I call tr- it. I tried to fit in one uh, uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, yeah, they do not look comfortable, do they? I think Ian Morris took a photo of me where my my head was stuck in the steering wheel and my arm was out the window, and that was that about that about summed up my experience with that model. That's uh, flying taxis in a use case. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it'll never get off the ground but it's a great picture of the community. yeah i think someday they'll just have they'll just relegate those things to a uh, little immune they'll put them on um those hydraulic stands and it'll oh, just sweet. be amusing or like outside rides. of Harris yep. theater for like kids to ride but the, ne- 
Yeah. <laughs> but for the next few years, people will drone on about uh... them. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Got a headache. Can now. I get another thing? <laughs> Yeah, I think you can. In fact, I think Kelsey, I think it's uh, we've 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 edged out of the discussion. So, uh... well, thanks, guys. Um... Everyone, you've been listening to the Light Reading Podcast. Our podcast is mixed and edited by the amazing Tian Fu in New York. You can reach us by emailing editors at lightreading.com. And please also follow Light Reading on Twitter at light underscore reading. And for the articles and research that we discussed in the show, take a look at lightreading.com and search podcast. And this podcast is also available on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your coworkers, all your friends, neighbors, strangers about us, um, ex-boyfriends and girlfriends, everyone. Even your in-laws. Oh dear, that's a lot of, that's a lot of marketing. <laughs> tell everybody. So we'll be back for another episode real soon. And thanks so much for listening.